Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover. I am Brian Peacock, host of Locked On 49ers. With me today, Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. We're going to talk about this week five Monday night football matchup, prime time. A bunch of primetime games for these two teams, the darlings of the NFL right now. And it looked <laughs> like the Browns might have sort of stumbled into the season, but a statement game in week four where the Browns uh, beat division rival Baltimore Ravens, and now that division got very interesting there, Jeff, didn't it? Um, yeah, and that was even the thing. And what I tried to talk about during the week, and it was weird because I was oddly confident. Um, you know, the Ravens, look, you know, they had, you know, wasted away on the Cardinals and the Dolphins, which everybody's going to do this year. The Browns are going to get their opportunity to do it as well. Um, they didn't have enough offense to keep, you know, compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I wasn't. You know, I was concerned, but, you know, whenever, you know, seven-point underdog. And and the thing was is I just knew this offense. Look, there's just too much talent on this offense. They were eventually going to get there. It certainly didn't help that Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, and Baker Mayfield barely played in the preseason. That probably, if they had that one to do over, I wonder how they would view that and maybe if they would have corrected it. But, you know, they got it right. Um, and, you know, you had, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Yeah, the, the offense got back to a lot more of what it looked like later in 2018. Baker got the ball out of his hands quickly. And what made Baker so great in the end of 2018 going down the stretch was he just threw it to the open guy. It didn't matter if it was the star player or the third string tight end. The guy was open. He got the ball quickly. And, you know, they went from there. Baker's such a rhythm and such a guy that thrives on confidence he needs the ball to get rolling and keep moving the ball down the field. And once he does, it's, you know, after that, it's just it's really tough to stop him once he gets his confidence level ultra high. And then it's always nice when you got Nick Chubb in a key situation yeah. that can just go around right end and just not be caught. Yeah, I want to keep going on that with the Browns offense because Chubb, it looked like they were going a little bit more downhill with Nick Chubb, which is... Uh, I think scary for opposing defenses now. And that's the Chubb that I was looking for when I drafted him in all of my fantasy leagues. And so <laughs> it's nice to see in week four, uh, first Nick Chubb and then carry on Johnson, who are uh, guys I targeted everywhere in all my drafts. And they started to get a lion's share of the carries and being used a little bit more how I was hoping they would be used. And, and Chubb, especially, you know, more two tight end sets I saw from the Browns. It looked like, and correct me if I'm wrong early in the season it was more like, draws and reads and RPOs and it seemed like they just got back to downhill with Nick Chubb and then you know maybe a little play action just just letting them let the guys go be themselves there and maybe Freddie Kitchens I don't know out of the gate overthinking things with the Browns offense too much maybe you can clarify that and maybe I'm wrong but that's what it looked like to me in week four I think what you had was, uh, you know, Todd Munkin came in here, and obviously, you know, he had a way he wanted to do things. He was on some radars to be a head coach. You had the way Freddie was doing it in the last year, which was working well, it was succeeding. Then you have the whole, oh, God, we've got Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, what are we going to do here? And, you know, a, a lot of it early was the long developing pass plays. Um, yeah, a lot of draws, a lot of screens. Um, you know, Nick, Nick Chubb is a really, really solid running back. And one of the things I was saying is, look, he needs his 20 touches a game. This is how good he is. And obviously, it's going to set up action. And the thing where you can kind of run wide with him because Nick is such an intelligent player, if he sees the cutback lane, he's going to go with it. So, you know, work with what works with him. Obviously, you know, you know, 88 yards. He had a 92-yard last year. Um, yet he does run outside well. He certainly runs well between the tackles. But, you know, he's a good enough athlete. You know, and some people don't, I guess, maybe see it because, I mean, he is 230 and he is pretty built. Right. Um, he's a really good athlete. He's got really good breakaway speed. 
Um, and the thing with the Ravens is, you know, for years, what did Baltimore have? They had great edge players. They really don't right now. It's just not what they have. I mean, they lost one to Green Bay. Suggs isn't there anymore. Matthew Judon's a nice player, but he's their top edge. This defense in Baltimore is not what it was, and the Browns were smart and attacked it where it looked weak. And obviously, the end result is it worked out really well for them. Yeah, not great tackling by the Ravens. And one thing that I don't think, I definitely wasn't used to seeing it, and I think most people that watch NFL football weren't used to seeing it, Nick Chubb outrunning the angle on Earl Thomas and Earl Thomas is like, wait a second, people don't do this on me. And yeah. uh, that was that was a, a scary sight, I think, probably for 49ers fans watching Nick Chubb run wild and, and things getting right for the Browns there in week four. So it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait to watch this one and how it goes down on Monday Night Football in week five. Um, one more quick question about that Browns offense for you before we sort of flip things and, and maybe talk Niners D and then how the matchups look on the opposite side of the ball. What's what's Baker Mayfield's maturity level right now? It's the thing I've worried about for the Browns and like Baker Mayfield seems to be the guy that was, you know, he was the fifth year senior. He's supposed to be the guy who was the elder statesman and, and ready to go from from day one. And as a thrower, he was. But I think personality wise, he still hasn't completely figured out that it's like, OK, look, everything that you put out is going to come back to you tenfold. And some of the other 20 year old quarterbacks that came out in the draft kind of have that part of it figured out more so, even though Baker seems to be more ready to go on the field as a passer. And there's so many other personalities. You got OBJ now. Uh, there was Jarvis Landry didn't want to talk to reporters after the first loss. And I was like, man, you're going to lose more games than just one. So you got to be prepared for some tough questions after games. So just how are those big personalities coming together right now in Cleveland? They're fine. And look, you know, we who cover the Browns, the fans of the Cleveland Browns, we probably would agree. If he wasn't your quarterback, you know, there probably would be something to say. But also a lot of it is is put everything on me, and that's the mentality Baker has. And it's also the mentality that Freddie Kitchens has. You know, the two losses. This is me. I've got to do this. We've got to get this right. we got to get this right. The two wins has nothing to do with me. The players went out there, executed, did the plays. And Baker, he just takes it off of everybody else. Does he probably put more on his plate than he should? Absolutely. Um, will he learn that over time? Um, but, yeah, he still is only a second-year quarterback. And let's look at it this way. He got here. This team was 0-16. And he finished his rookie year. This team was seven, eight, and one. And then all of a sudden, you bring in Odell Beckham Jr. You bring in Sheldon Richardson. You bring Olivier Olivier Vernon. And now all of a sudden, guess what? Everyone's telling you, oh, my God, you're going to win the AFC North. They're going to play playoff games in Cleveland. You're on the cover of the Sports (laughs) Illustrated preview issue. How are these guys not supposed to, like, really hold themselves back when everybody essentially put it on them that this is how good you're going to be? So, you know, in your mind, you know, A, number one, that's what you're striving to be. That's what you're paid to do. You want, you know, nobody says, uh, you know, like the Dolphins and the Cardinals, you know, I mean, nobody wants to have to start the season with, oh, great, let's go 0-16. Hopefully we get that quarterback this team's been looking for. You know, if you are any one of about 26 teams, you think you're in it. You think you've got a legitimate shot. Um, it, does he get too far sometimes? It does. Just sometimes, like even the thing the other day with, with uh, Antonio Brown, Look, it'd be yeah. <laughs> one thing if somebody, if Antonio Brown said something to him on social media, that would have been one thing. Go ahead, say something back. But a fan says something to Antonio Brown, it says something about Antonio Brown. Why are you responding to a fan in that sense? Right. Yeah. That, that's the one that's going a little bit too far. If Antonio Brown started it, and he certainly started with a bunch of other guys, 
then go ahead, defend yourself. But don't start a beef because some fan brought up something. You know, sometimes you just got to relax. But they're also, though, he he thrives in a little bit of chaos. All this nonsense went on this week and went into Baltimore, which is, you know, besides Pittsburgh, is their toughest place to go play on the road. And, you know, everything kind of came up roses. But, you you know, to tone it down, I think everybody would be a little more comfortable with that, sure. Right, yeah, don't take the bait, but you're right. Maybe he thrives in that chaos, and it looked like that might have been the case this week. So very interesting case study in the mind of Baker Mayfield. Uh, Let's come back and talk about the 49ers defense, how they are going to take on that Browns offense. Then we'll flip it, look at the 49ers O against the Browns D, and make some predictions. This podcast is brought to you in part by Dave. Three million people already use Dave to save up to $1,000 a year in overdraft fees. That's why it's the number one budgeting app in the App Store. Go to dave.com slash locked on and never pay another overdraft fee again. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Whether you're betting on the 49ers, betting on some of the other games around the league, make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.com. A-G. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. All right. Well, first things first, um, my listeners would probably scout me if I didn't ask. Nick Bosa, obviously, there was a little bit of a rough summer, a little bit dinged up, you know, through the spring, the summer. Um, the pass rush win percentage looks pretty darn good. Um, not a ton of production just yet, but um, really good defensive line. How's Nick Bosa fitting in with all of them? 
Yeah, Nick Bosa from basically from jump, and he was actually banged up a little bit, which is the big negative with him has been the injuries, both in college and now in the NFL. Just nicked up a little bit. He had a high ankle sprain that he suffered in training camp, so he didn't get a full camp and preseason in. And then he had a, a muscle strain in the OTAs in the spring, so he didn't get a full spring in. But before the ankle in training camp, the reviews were off the charts. People were bringing up names like Alden Smith and Patrick Willis as the last time they'd seen a rookie come in and dominate that like that in his first training camp. And you talked about the pass rushing win rate, and that is from PFF and Nick Bosa leading all rookie edge rushers with a 23.5% win rate, which is well above Brian Burns, Josh Allen, O'Shane Zimenez, and, and Chase Winovich, the next few after Nick Bosa. And yeah, he is beating the man in front of him like a drum. He, he's impacting every play versus the run versus the pass. And like you mentioned, you look at the stats and you're thinking, okay, pressures are there. Win rate is there, but where are the sacks? And he's come up a little bit short. And that's the thing that he talked about in training camp. You get to face a tackle. You get to face tackling dummies. You get to beat blocks all day long, but you never get to finish the play. You never get to tackle the quarterback. You never get to make that play in camp. So he attributed it to that. And he thinks that those sacks are going to come. And I happen to agree. And Nick Bosa right now, uh, I think 49ers fans, I think the 49ers brass in front office have to be elated with what they've seen with Nick Bosa. He's been everything as advertised. He was just ready to go. And technique-wise, he's got power. He's got burst. He can slip around the corner. And that's on a banged-up ankle. He's looking like he's going to be probably about eight weeks out from a high ankle sprain, which is about how long it takes to be 100% for Monday Night Football. So we might actually get to see Nick Bosa 100% for the first time, which will be a lot of fun. Um, well, for you, that would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Maybe the Ohio State to, fans that are yeah, Cleveland Browns. You want to take a little like more time? That would be fine on our part. Um, and obviously, you know, we, you know, we're still concerned as to what exactly the tackle play is with this Cleveland Browns position. But yeah, that defensive line, similar to what you're going to see with Cleveland's. I mean, you know, obviously San Francisco offensive line probably a little better, but I mean, this is going to be. You like trench football. This is probably being a good one for you, which is going to be an odd one for Monday Night Football. But you never know. You always get an oddity on Monday Night Football. But trench play, this is going to be a good one. Uh, obviously, they went out and put a handsome investment in a Quan Alexander. Um, a number one at the time, and we talked about this when we got, did the show over the summer, um, you know, you were paying a lot for a guy coming off an ACL. Um, how's the health? How's the play thus far? The signing immediately when it happened, I was not behind it because, like you mentioned, a lot of money for a player coming off ACL, and he was a good linebacker, and I knew he was athletic and could run around and, and make tackles and had range, but I thought, man, that's an overpay with a healthy ACL. And one thing about that contract is the way it was structured is if he never would have worked out for the 49ers is basically a year to year deal. So they could have cut him after the season if they wanted to. But at this point, there's no way in heck they would want to because he has been awesome. And he one thing I didn't realize about Quan Alexander is his energy. You can audibly hear him on the broadcast of football games screaming and yelling. And he's a good I think yin and yang to the second year linebacker who nobody talks about, who's a really good player at middle linebacker in Fred Warner. And those guys are flying around the field. They're good in coverage. They've got range as tacklers. And so they've been a really dynamic pairing for the 49ers. And basically wearing that number fix or that number 56 as Ruben Foster had for the 49ers. Basically, he's been every they had to basically buy out their mistake in Ruben Foster. And they gave him 56. And he's been everything you would have thought Ruben Foster would have been at that weak side linebacker spot. Um, and his energy is really, I think, ignited 
the 49ers defense and, and really brought a lot of that together. And you see him flying around making plays in coverage and versus the run. So I've loved everything I've seen from Quan Alexander. And uh, you mentioned the defensive front with those five first round picks. You've got Solomon Thomas, a first rounder that's um, a glorified reserve at this point. And so that's really helped the secondary as well. So the coverage has been great for the 49ers too. behind that defensive line. The, the pass rush, obviously, with Ford and the addition of Bosa has really helped the secondary. And third-year guy Akella Witherspoon has been a super bright spot, developing into a really good starting right cornerback opposite of Richard Sherman. But now he's got a bad foot. He's out for about a month. And this is the matchup that I want to ask you about from the offensive side. We've seen Odell Beckham torch the 49ers before when he was in a different jersey. Now Odell Beckham might be lining up a lot against a guy named Emmanuel Mosley. If you followed the draft, you might have remembered him as a prospect out of Tennessee Two years ago, he was an undrafted free agent, and it looks like he's going to get the start. And I have to imagine the Browns are going to target that side of the field early and often against the 49ers. Well, and, you know, this is one we've talked about, you know, I've talked about over the years with Richard Sherman. Good player, but Odell Beckham Jr., that ain't his matchup. It's just not the kind of guy for him. Um, so, obviously, with the Mosley matchup. And the one thing, just once, um, and it wasn't even a deep one. It was about a 25-yard ball, and it was a one-hander on Monday night against the Jets. The one thing they really haven't done with Odell, or done in general yet to this point, is attack deep. And they were doing this a lot last year with some success. Obviously, there was the throw to Landry, which was a gorgeous throw against Carolina last year. Um, earlier in that game, he had hit Paraman for like a 58-yarder. The one thing they haven't done is really even taken any shots down the field. Um, look, uh, Odell, look, he's been a good soldier. I'm sure he's happy with a two and two record and being on a first place team right now. Um, we all know <laughs> he likes the bright lights. Um, obviously had a monster night against the jets on Monday night football. We'll be looking for one here. And I, I, Odell wants, he wants a big one. Um, I think Baker wants a big one. Um, you're most likely going to get Antonio Callaway back here for the first time this year. He is another one that can get deep. I think maybe part of it is is you don't want it to, you don't want to run it just because you you want to run it. You only had Odell who can do that, but now if you have Odell and you have Antonio Callaway, these guys that these are guys that run deep routes and run them well. I'd expect you're going to have to try and challenge vertically here, and also with this, you know, I, I think both teams are going to be able to score a little bit. And look, any opportunity where you can maybe uh, you know get those chunk plays, you're going to have to take every advantage of it. Absolutely, you mentioned that. Odell versus Richard Sherman matchup and when the 49ers had played them before uh, Richard Sherman does a really good job he's smart and he does a good job staying over the top so you know that speed advantage that Odell has over Sherman doesn't become a factor but that's because Odell cooked him as a rookie when he was in Seattle (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so uh but he gives up the the comebacks then so a steady diet of comebacks when Odell was with the Giants against Richard Sherman and then it was the other side of the field where he hit deep and the 49ers secondary was bad at basically batted everything last season and that has looked a lot better but now there's a new problem with uh Witherspoon being out and so that's going to be an interesting one and it's it happened last year all year teams just they didn't really throw at Sherman he shut people down with basically with reputation as much as his ability and he actually looks better this year than he did last year so I gotta imagine it's going to be all day to the left side of the Browns offense versus the right side of the 49ers defense in the passing game. And so you just hope that maybe Jason Verrett can come back. He had two really bad plays and then got yanked when he replaced um, Akella Witherspoon in week three. 
because Verrett's just been out for a couple years, and he looked a little bit rusty for those two plays, and they went immediately to Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley's going to get the start. That's a matchup that I think will keep 49ers fans um, up at night. And there's <laughs> actually another matchup I think that might be just as bad or maybe worse because it's got repercussions of potentially taking down their franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's rookie left tackle Justin School, who's playing for Joe Staley, who's out for six weeks, and a broken bone in Staley's leg. Mm. Justin School held up okay last week, but that's against Bud Dupree. You've got Miles Garrett this time. Um, what does Miles Garrett look like? Has he moved around a lot, or is he strictly lining up at that right defensive end position? You're gonna throw blitzes at the 49ers too, or are you just gonna sit there and just let Miles Garrett do his thing against the rookie? Well, that's the one thing, and this is the weirdest thing. When Miles was a rookie, Greg Williams, they moved him around, and it was smart. And a lot of times, why they did it was, is you know, all right, usually on most NFL teams, what's usually the best offensive line player? It's usually your left tackle. All right, and uh, you know, we always use the term on our show, me and Pete, find the turd. So you go find the crappiest offensive <laughs> lineman and put Miles Garrett over him. What are you going to do? But the other thing, though, is everybody grew so accustomed last year. Miles took every rep against the left tackle. What are you going to do? You break the huddle, and all of a sudden, Miles Garrett shifts over, and he's standing above your right guard. Guess what? You're going to change at the line. Because right. all of a sudden, now you completely have to change your pass pro, and there's got to be calls that got to be made. And maybe you got to get out of the play you called, because now how are you going to, you know, how are you going to block it? Um, so he's moved around. He's played both side. He's played both ends. And this was the joy of bringing Olivier Vernon in and why this was so good. Olivier Vernon played against the left tackle his entire career. He came here to play against his right tackle. So what does that mean? Makes it really easy to now move Miles Garrett around because Olivier Vernon can play off the left, left tackle as well. So they're moving them all around. Miles has taken inside reps. There's even been ones where Miles Garrett's been either the D tackle next to Olivier Vernon. They've certainly mixed it up. Um, look, they'll still blitz some. They they like to do that. Um, they, that was one thing they were a little bit effective uh, with last week, dealing with Lamar Jackson. You know, with, with somebody with speed like that, you want to get him before he gets out of his drop. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo off the ACL. It's going to be a little bit, bit of a different story. Um, you know, Miles Garrett versus a rookie. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you're going to worry. And in the beginning, I'm assuming they're just going to, hey, let's see what you got, kid. Here we go. You know, put up or shut up. Monday Night Football, number 95. Miles has been electric. Um, he, yes, he's drawn some penalties, which you know hurt PFF grades. Actually, he didn't do much on Sunday against the Ravens, and actually drew his best PFF grade of the year. You know, played more discipline, did more as assignment. But you know, like in what, this is one thing I'll say sometimes with PFF and that type of grading system. You know, I've played college. I played college football. I sat in a lot of meetings where you know, a guy who had a very poorly graded day still was excellent because he had six tackles and two sacks. So sometimes, you know, the reckless abandon and just going to get yours, if you're good enough, you can get away with it. Miles Garrett is obviously one of those guys, uh, you know, with no Joe Staley. And that would have been a great matchup. And obviously, you know, losing a player like that for San Francisco would be difficult. It obviously is going to make Cleveland's life easier. But I, I'm assuming you're just going to take a little bit of turn at everything. Um, and they have been rotating out, um, you know, Chad Thomas – is maybe their third or fourth defensive end, how they figure it. Usually he gets – they usually put him on the field more if they think it's going to be a run snap. But he's up to took, – he took 20 snaps last week. So they're getting a much better D-line rotation. Devereaux Lawrence at the defensive tackle, he actually had a tackle for loss last week, even had an interception. So these guys are getting more meaningful reps, and they're getting a chance for everybody to get a breather, which is what Greg Williams was not doing at all last year. And you had your two best players at that time, and Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett sucking win by mid third quarter 
This year, they are able to stay, you know, a lot closer to 100% for four quarters because they're getting the proper rest that they need. There's another matchup I want to highlight here with the 49ers offense versus the Brown defense right after this. So we talked about Odell and I think a really positive matchup for the Browns. We talked about the Miles Garrett matchup against the rookie left tackle, which is a very positive matchup for the Browns as well. And I think we saw what the recipe was in week three for the 49ers is they just ran the ball to the right all day long. And that's what I expect them to do again. And uh, the Steelers did bring some pressure off of that right side, knowing that the help was going to go to the rookies side on the left side of the offense. So there were some free rushers at Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy Garoppolo, that's where he shines. And he had one of his best, like low key best games week three against the Steelers because he was taking some hits, but he was getting the ball out quick and he was making quick decisions. He's got that lightning release and he was making plays, getting the ball out of his hands. And so that was really fun to see for me to watch that matchup and watch the chess game and have some free rushers, but Jimmy Garoppolo taking care of that. And so I wonder if it's going to be a very similar game plan this week against the Browns. And I think what Justin School did in week three is he allowed the 49ers to feel a little bit better about the rookie, the way he played, and that they didn't have to make some big trade or something during the bye week before this matchup, even though it's still going to be a tall task for the rookie. But on the 49ers side, the thing that they have in their hip pocket is, I think, the best tight end in football. And I thought he was maybe top three coming into the year. The way I've seen him run, run after the catch, he runs like a running back. He outruns angles from defensive backs that are blown away that he's actually that fast when they've never played against George Kittle. And he blocks as ferocious as anybody I've seen. He takes pleasure, and he's been an amazing blocker as well. So, George Kittle, how do the Browns defend against him? Well, first and foremost, and this is going to be the most difficult thing, because obviously you know the Niners watch all the film from the Browns to this point. So you watch weeks one and week two, and guess what? You see a completely different secondary in weeks one and week two than you see in week three and week four. Week Sunday night football versus the Rams, the Browns had their entire starting secondary out. In week four, they only got back to Marius Randall. The question is, where are they going to be this week? Are they going to have both their starting cornerbacks and Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams? Will Morgan Burnett be back in the fold? Um, one of the advantages, I, I look, I'm not going to say whether or not it's an advantage, good or bad, but is they do like to play the third safety. They call it the big nickel which is kind of why you're doing this. And this is kind of the team you're doing this for is because maybe the tight end is the best receiving option on the field. Um, Mark Andrews ate pretty well last week. Um, You know, he was able to, you know, penetrate and, you know, kind of get behind the linebackers, get in front of the safeties, um, had a touchdown on one of those routes. Um, You're going to have to high low him. I mean, it's all you can do. Um, Look, Joe Schobert can run with any tight end in the league. Um, Mac Wilson, they're still seeing whether or not he can do that. He, you know, athletically he should be able to, but he's a rookie. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta kind of take him along slowly. Uh, the question will be, can you go one-on-one on the outside with Greedy Williams, with Denzel Ward? Therefore you're allowed to, you know, put more concentration on the George Kittle. For me personally, the best way to handle it is probably going to be a combination of Joe Schobert, most likely Eric Murray or Jermaine Whitehead, one of those three underneath. Demarius Randall over the top type of thing. You take Kittle away and you're able to cover. And, you know, obviously there's young guys and they're still developing, but you have Ward and Williams able to go one-on-one, whether it's Goodwin, uh, you know, whether it's Pettis, who's actually struggling and it breaks my heart. Um, you know, and also obviously um, Debo Samuel, who I thought was a fantastic pick. 
Um, and he's a little different because you normally don't get 228-pound yoked-up receivers who run sub-4-5. He's kind of got that Anquan Bolden build to him. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, this is one, and I, I always kind of tease, this is sometimes where the crossovers maybe come too early in the week. We did the Jet one, and then 12 hours later, Sam Darnold's got mono. Yeah. So you had a, yeah, that episode was pointless. You're going to have to high-low George Kittle. That's all you can do. And the other thing is, is if you get a piece of him and he's got the ball, hang on for dear life and pray a friend comes and bails you out. I think, I think you nailed it. I think that's about the only way you can go about that matchup if you're the Cleveland Browns or really any team around the NFL. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. I think this is a preview of some pretty important teams. Uh, I, I really believe the Browns got back on track last week. Browns coming in 2-2, two and two, 49ers coming in 3-0. and oh. The 49ers haven't played a ton of high-level competition. The Bucks win in Week 1 might look a little bit better now after they beat the Rams and put up 50 points. In LA last weekend, which and was after a week and after a week of losing to the Giants, which is where the NFL just is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, what yeah, is going I mean, on? You think you know, and guess what? You don't know. You never know. Uh, it's a nutty league. Anybody can win any week when you're a good enough football team and you're competitive, and that's what the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns are. So, I guess we've got to get to some predictions here for Monday Night Football in Week Five. And there is first place in both divisions up for grabs here for both of these teams. 49ers trying to stay on top. Uh, and the, it's funny because I just saw somebody out there talking about how because the Steelers play the Ravens this week. And if mm -hmm. the Steelers win at home and the 49ers win at home, you've got a three-way tie of Ravens, Steelers, and Browns at two and three in the division, which is kind of crazy. Um, well, the Ravens actually, I mean, I, you know, the Ravens would be behind by two conference losses already. Yes. Um, whereas Pittsburgh and Cleveland be one on one, but I got to tell you, Brian, for the first time after two years of hosting the show, saying the phrase, your first place, Cleveland Browns, has been kind of nice. And <laughs> I, I'm glad, it, I'm glad we get to go till Monday. So it gives me even extra day to keep saying it. Right. And 49ers fans feel in the same way, not only being yeah. the only three and O team in the division, but in the entire conference, uh, there's some 49ers fans that definitely wore their jerseys with pride. I think uh, on Monday, even though, even though the 49ers didn't play, so they won without even playing in week four, let's get to these predictions. <laughs> 49ers favorite at home by three and a half points. Jeff, you're the away team. You go first. Well, you know, and look, you know, anybody who knows when you realign, you know, what do you normally say? Home team gets three points. So what is everybody telling here? This looks like it's a pretty even game. And I would say, I think, you know, I'm defensively, uh, they both run the ball well. Um, you know, to, you know, yes, the Browns have Odell, the, the 49ers also have George Kittle. Um, so, you know, what am I going to do? You know what I'm going to do. Um, do I think Cleveland, do I think Cleveland is going to win this game? Uh, I, look, I think this has the capability of being an 11 and five, a 12 and 14. This is the money though. Um, you know, the Tennessee game aggravated me um, because I felt they gave one away there. Um, I felt this team was going to be two and L going into the Ram game. The Ram game was going to be difficult regardless. Um, look, you only lost by seven and then it was, Oh man, can we be looking at one in three? And you know, me, I was like, all right, look, it's, you know, it, I don't think Baltimore's played enough yet. And I'm not sure about this defense. Let's get out of September, two and two, be first north, get to, obviously now it's San Francisco, Seattle, um, then you got a bye week, and you're going up for the big boy test in the New England Patriots. I think they can play um, with them. Obviously, having the left tackle out for San Francisco certainly helps things, because if they can, can get a consistent pass rush all game long, and that's the key, is the key is they can do it with six guys. 
the starting defensive line of Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon. You bring in a Devereaux Lawrence who can get after the quarterback. Chris Smith is able to get off the quarterback. If they might finally decide that maybe Jannard Avery should be playing after four and a half sacks as a rookie and showed a little tremendous amount of ability, you've got ways to harass Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, if San Francisco can play call for this, the short passing game. Um, I'm going to like them in this primetime scenario again here. Um, it's, and it's the weirdest thing, three time in five weeks. I'm barely sleeping. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get the kids out to school in the morning on four hours of sleep. My wife's <laughs> laughing at me because I'm a bumbling mess. I think they're going to be all right. I think I think they're going to go in there and handle their business. Um, sorry to San Francisco, but I would say, and the weird thing is the scoring of it. I can see like a, like a 23, 20. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring, but I also don't think it's going to be moderate scoring. I like the matchup for the 49ers defensive line against the Browns offensive line. And the fact that the 49ers are at home and that fans are excited about this team at 3-0. It's Monday Night Football. It's prime time. Uh, it's the team from the East coming to travel to the West. For all of those reasons, I, I like the 49ers in this game. I think the 49ers haven't had a chance to have much of a home field advantage since they opened Levi's Stadium because the team had been going in a certain direction. But right now, uh, it's that's not the case. The, the home opener, the place was rocking. I think it's going to be rocking again for Monday night football. And I like the 49ers to take advantage of the Browns' offensive line, and even if they give up a sack to Miles Garrett, even if they give up a big play to Odell Beckham, I think they've got enough bullets the 49ers can ride the wave and win this one 27-24. Yeah, I mean, look, I it's 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 going I think it's going to be tightly contested. I think what you're going to say at the end of the day is which defensive line does more could lead to the end. And look, Cleveland's line, look it's I'd say if you looked at it individually, there's some really ugly parts to it right now. But they're actually kind of getting it done and a lot of it's been on Baker's part and but look, this is a little bit better pass rush than they saw last week. Um, so the key is going to be is can he keep his head about him, uh, not go leaving pockets because that's kind of what happened against the Rams. And, you know, just the thought of Aaron Donald ruining your day can maybe have you have some pause and hesitation and kind of think a little bit outside of your head. He was much better with it this week, but that's certainly going to be key. But I think whatever defensive line eats more, that's probably going to prove to be the difference. That is Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. I am Brian Peacock, host of Locked On 49ers. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Jeff, this is going to be a fun one. Thanks for joining me here on another Locked On Podcast Network crossover. Uh, always a pleasure, Brian. And uh, for all my Browns listeners, if you don't like me here or you're aggravated with me here, you can blame Brian Peacock. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome, Browns fans. <laughs> or, or I'm sorry, however, whatever side of that you're on. But I, I bet most of them are pretty happy with it. Uh, we've had a nice little ride. Monday Night Football, always fun. It's always a special atmosphere. Primetime games. Browns 49ers primetime. Who would have thought?